Hey, what's happening, listeners? Welcome to another episode of The Runabout. Uh, today, I'm sitting down with Matt. Uh, if you if you listened to the previous episode with Caleb, he had mentioned uh, near the end that uh, I should reach out to his buddy, Matt, who recently moved here to the uh, the island of Oahu. So I reached out to him. Uh, we got together for a run a few weeks ago and was able to get him in for a uh, great conversation about running, uh, his story, and how he got into it what he's accomplished so far and, and what he hopes to, to accomplish uh, in the future. So I hope you guys enjoy. Well, welcome, Matt. Welcome to the Runabout. Super stoked to have you here. And uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Psyched to be here. It's a pleasure to follow Caleb McCoy and anything, especially on a podcast. So awesome to be here. Yeah. Yeah. For you, those of you tuning in, uh, I kind of met Matt through Caleb. If you haven't listened to the previous uh, episode, with Caleb, I highly recommend that. And uh, near the end of that, he uh, he recommended I get in touch with with Matt here, and that's kind of how this all came about. So thanks, Caleb. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's get started. Um, so you know, typically I, I'll kind of you know I'll start with questions of you know how'd you get into running things like that, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, I want to start out with uh, Under the Moon 100K. Let's talk about that. So that that's pretty recent, pretty fresh in your mind. Uh, so why don't you tell me about that, uh, that whole experience? Well, that was my, so signed up for it, um, probably about three or four months in advance and just needed to have something on the calendar and had moved to Hawaii and didn't have any races on the calendar. So we got to Hawaii, uh, in this last September. So that this race was in June. So I went about eight, nine months without any races or anything, and just wanted to have something on the calendar to jump into. And, saw that one over there on the big Island. And I was like, Hey, that's a good reason to go visit for the first time. So, uh, just a unsupported, hundred um, K goes up old saddle road, uh, which running up the volcano towards the Mount Kea, uh, visitor center up there. And then you run right back down. So it's about a 50 K straight up with about 7,000 feet of gain. And then you do the 50 K right back down it. So, um, that interested me just because how hard it sounded. It's like, I've never ran 31 miles going up the entire time. So usually most of the races did back home in Georgia were a bunch of up and down cutback trails. So getting on the road, that was a challenge in my head and it just gave me something to work towards. So I went over there, flew over uh, the day before and uh, first time over there and got to wake up in the morning. It was a 4 PM start time. So, yeah. So start at 4 PM going through the night and, um, we woke up that morning of the race and got to drive the whole Island and the whole course in my rental car and dropping off gallons of water on the side of the road and hiding them. And, uh, just never done a race like that. It was all on me to every, I had to carry everything I wanted to eat and drink. So I'm used to doing a lot of, uh, loop races. So, all the unknowns of not having aid stations and not having support. That's what really, really got me to got me excited about that one. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's huge. Not having like set aid stations. Cause yeah, that completely changes an event for sure. Yeah. And the fact that like even water, like you had to stage your own water and 
So if you started at 4 p.m., uh, what time did you finish at? So took me the goal. The uh, so I always go into races with like uh, A, B, and C, and A, B, and C goal. So I always set a goal that scares me and makes me wake up a little earlier to, to push a little harder. So that goal for that race was 14 hours. I wanted to beat 14 hours. And my my head, I was thinking, hey, let's get up to the top with all the climbing at eight hours and try to get back down in six and see if we can push it. And if my body's feeling great, and, you know, that's a good goal. And uh, wanted to try to hit that. Ended up coming in right at 15 hours. So let's see what so it was. Have been like 7, what, 7 a.m. Yeah. yeah, so I got to see, I got to. It was a, a good, a solid walk run the last few miles of that one. Cause my had some ankle issues. Um, so the, but when I was walking that last five, six miles or so, I got to see the sunrise come yeah. up. Cause you, you started and ended in, in Hilo or so, nope. Started in Hilo and it goes all the way to Waimea. So, oh, gotcha. so it starts in the KTA grocery store in Hilo and then you go up the, up the volcano, get to the, the visitor center up there where you can then turn and go up to the tippy top, right? The another 7,000 feet or so. And we just start heading right back down. There's actually a 200 K option too, where they turn around where I stopped and go right back. Oh, man. So that one might be on the list in the future for, for one of us sometime. So, um, ended at 7 AM and couldn't have been happier to see that sunrise that morning. And it was just amazing running through the night when she sets it up. So the race director, Alex, uh, she sets it up and all the proceeds go to a, one of the Hawaiian uh, nonprofits that she's involved with. And uh, she actually helped out a good bit. She came and checked on me a few times. So I actually had some support out there, which was huge. Yeah. It helped me out with the cold sparkling water and, you know, some things that I just wasn't going to carry that were very beneficial. So um, she helped out a lot and it's just a real, just a real gritty ultra where it's, you know, it's everybody's out there just trying to keep going one step at a time, man, I met a guy. So they actually start a 50 K at the top when, so the whole 50 K down the back half of our hundred K race, there's another, there's about 20, 25 racers that started and they start at 10 PM up there. So we start at four. So then she tries to time it where if you're running a good, that 7,000 feet of gain, if you're running pretty quick and get up there in six hours, then you would be running down with the 50 K guys and yeah. fresh legs. So, uh, met a guy running his first ultra out there who, uh, was 55 or something. And wow. yeah, I can't remember his name right now, but he was doing a, his wife was driving the car. She's a, um, a travel nurse. And so she was driving the car ahead of him and she would drive a mile ahead of him and he would just have to make it to the car. And he, it took him for that 50 K downhill. It took him, I think it was eight hours. Eight, and he just was grinding, just, yeah. just run, walk. He'd get to the car. He'd get uh, some energy from some food or something to drink from her. And then he'd keep going. She'd drive him. She wasn't going to stop and wait on him either. It was awesome. So got to meet some cool people. And, uh, she sets the race director sets it up where it's on the full moon in June. So once, if the clouds clear, which they did when I was up at the top, I mean, that moon, when you're 7,000 feet up and there's so little light pollution over there is it's incredible. So yeah. The way back down, I got to cut the headlamp off and just run on the road. I'm just lit by the moon. Oh, that's beautiful. Didn't that's see, awesome. didn't see anybody. I had some pigs running up beside me, goats on the side of the road. I mean, um, you may know the name of the base over there, but uh, it's up pretty high up, like six thousand feet of elevation up there. It's a, I think it's an army base, maybe it's a military base. I can't think of it off the top of my head. No, but it's they do a lot of active training over there. It's one uh, of the okay. places they can actively shoot. 
And I heard them shooting at about two in the morning off on the side somewhere. I could just hear rounds going off. Yeah. So it's a different planet over yeah. there. It, it does have that feel. I, I remember we went over there about a year and a half ago and we went up to the, the Mauna Kea like visitor center and we did it on, there was no moon cause we want, we were going to do some stargazing and yeah, like you said, the sky is so clear and uh, yeah, it is like another world. It's like being on Mars cause it's like that red kind of rocky and it's uh yeah, it's, it's really different, really cool experience for sure. It is. That's awesome. Um, so how many people did the hundred K? So there was four at the start line. So I thought it was four when we started and this one guy took off, like he was running a, a 5k and I was like, Whoa, we might not see, I'm not going to see that guy again the rest of the night. Um, it ends up, he was running the hundred K relay. There's a relay option as well. So he had a team and they, they ran very well, but so there's three of us running the actual race, the hundred K. Nice. And you, and you got first, right? Ended up getting first. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, you know, I'm not a, I never go into a race to win it. I don't run super fast. I like to enjoy the adventure and just see what my body can do and always trying to improve on what I do. But, you know, usually I'm not the typical ultra runner, uh, body type or, you know, I just, I'm not, but that's why I like to be out there and see all the different stories. Cause what you realize is there is no typical, I mean, there isn't, yeah, that's there, the beauty of ultra running. That's yeah. it. People want to look at it and think that people that are running all these miles have to be one certain way. Now I've seen every body type at the start line. And then usually it's guys like that guy I met on the doing this for 50 K. Those are the people that end up doing better in longer races. Cause they just have the right mindset. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's great. I talk to a lot of coworkers and stuff, you know, and about the different runs and things that I do. And, and, um, yeah, you know, you look at me and I do have, you know, quote unquote, the typical kind of runner build, um, but I tell them, you know, cause they're like, Oh, I could never do stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you should see some of the people that tow the line at some of these races. And like yesterday I did that event and, um, you know, I passed a guy who was, I'd probably put him in like a Clydesdale type, you know, type category. He wasn't overweight by any means, but he's a taller dude and just kind of bigger build. And, uh, you know, definitely had at least 50 pounds on me and I kind of passed him early on in the, in the race. And I figured out ah, he probably just went out a little too fast and, Sure enough, as we're, uh, as we're approaching the last four miles, he just comes right by me and just, you know, keeps going and, and I couldn't catch up to him. And he, you know, a guy that typically I would look at at the front of the race and be like, I could, I could probably beat that guy, but no, that's the beauty of, of ultras. And it's uh, you can't judge a book by a cover by any means. 100%. That's the best, most, yeah. the most humbling for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's back it up a little bit. So when did you like. Like, what's your path to running? What's it, what's it been like? So, um, when coming up, I always just played growing up as a kid, just played ball sports, baseball, football, basketball, just that's what I always did growing up. And running was our punishment, <laughs> you know, in football, you're going to do up downs and you're going to run because you did something wrong on the field. Right. And, uh, so I always kind of came up just thinking it sucked because that's how it was introduced to me. It was never introduced as something you could take it slow and get in the woods and, you know, you could walk, you can run. It doesn't have to be punishment all the time. So that's how I grew up with it being punishment in sports and would look at the cross country guys like, they look like they're having fun. How are they having fun doing this? Like I always wondered, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to have fun doing it, but I just always hated it and uh, was overweight all my life, which was definitely added into it being a little harder than it should have been. And, and then just also not sticking with it. Never, never put the shoes on to go run distance ever growing up. So, um, ended up going, um, 
ended up going to college at Georgia Southern for a semester. And, uh, after I graduated high school and got down there and started trying to run there, cause I saw a bunch of guys, a bunch of athletic guys doing it and started getting some treadmill runs some five K's and stuff was probably the longest I would do and just never stuck with it and started to feel a little bit of those, you know, short-term benefits of just the, the dopamine and the, um, just the feeling good, just the, that runner's high afterwards and feeling like, Hey, I did a 5k on a treadmill. That's awesome. Yeah. I was proud of that. So, and just didn't stick with it. And, uh, I, um, had a problem with drinking too. So always was drinking through high school, playing sports and just more focused on the party than, than actually, uh, focusing on getting better. And, um, so in, in Georgia Southern, that ended up taking over a little bit and took, took over where I just wasn't doing anything really. Just got real, real used to the comfort was always picking the comfortable route, no matter what it was. I mean, with personal things with my, uh, my wife, uh, Bree now we've been dating since, uh, we were freshmen in high school. So we went to college together and, she uh split up with me there for a little bit because of the way I was acting and deservedly so and um made me look in the mirror a little bit down there and um just couldn't correct the things because I was still uh drinking all the time and that was the main problem with getting in my way getting my own way so ended up uh when I come back home after the first semester and things just weren't things were going in the direction that I was taking them, which was the drinking and the picking the route of comfort. And it was, it was all just adding up where now life was a lot harder all the time because I kept picking that comfortable route and kept trying to get the easy way out of everything and trying to do less to, uh, to move forward. And that just wasn't working for me. So, uh, end up ballooning up to about 330 pounds. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and how tall are you? So I'm five eleven. Okay. And so I ended up, uh, you know, I played football at like 220, played the end. And that was when I was lifting and working out and not constantly moving and kept eating and drinking like I was then and stopped the moving. So then it started to balloon up. And at that point, it was just, it was, life was uncomfortable all the time because of, I picked that route of comfort for so long, it just added up. Yeah. So uh, I had to change something. Read the uh, David Goggins book, which is a lot of people bring that one up. And it just was like, wait. This guy was 330 pounds. I felt like I could relate a lot to um, just growing up in a chaotic childhood like he did and uh, just always kind of getting in my own way and creating that chaos for myself. If things were going good, I would find a way to create that own chaos and get in my own way. And so I was like, man, he, he just turned it all the way around from being 330 pounds and feeling the same way I felt to look at that man now. He looks untouchable, right? Yeah. So uh, read that book and I was just like, all right, something, I got to do something that I really do not want to do. And that was running. Yeah. So I just, uh, I remember taking a picture in the beginning of it was December of 2018 after I weighed in at about 330 pounds and I, we, me and my wife had been back from college for a few years and that wedding was, we scheduled the wedding, uh, into 2018. And I was like, I got some work to do. Yeah. I got some work to do. I had a lot of things, a lot of things I wanted to fix. There were so many, that I just had to start chopping away at it, start grinding. So, uh, I luckily went out for a run after that influence of Goggins and I got about a half a mile in 10 minutes and everything in my entire body was killing me. Um, and I went back home and I was like thinking about the next day. I was like, you got to go again tomorrow. You got to find a way to go again tomorrow. So the game was, how can I do it again tomorrow? And that half a mile, hurt like hell. And I went back the next day and I was like, okay, you can beat half a mile. 
So I got like 0.6. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all I had in me. I was 330 pounds. I just hadn't been moving and that's all I had. So, uh, it started real slow. It started just doing half a mile a day for a long time. And then, um, switched to the treadmill because it was a little less beating on me being that weight switched to the treadmill. So I would go to the gym every morning and I'd get one mile. Uh, I remember after the first four or five days doing the half mile, I had shin splints. So I'd take a few days off and hop back on the train a few days later. And I just started making one mile streaks. And I started telling myself, Hey, every day we're going to get this win of one mile and then we're going to figure the rest of the day out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to just try to, we're going to get a lot of things to correct. Um, to be the man I wanted to be for my wife, who was always there for me. And I didn't want to keep letting her down in a lot of different ways that I was because I was just getting in my own way. Um, so I had not quit drinking yet. I was still trying to figure out how to control the drinking while fixing these other issues and bad habits I had created over the years. and But making changes to head in the right direction. And so I ended up running my first 10 K. So I started running December of 18 and ran my first 10 K. I think it was March. Uh, so four or five months later. And my goal was to run a 12 minute pace. That was like, back then I was like, all right, man, if we can get it to a 12 minute pace, that's a real runner's pace. That's what I told myself. Then I was like, Hey, that's you're really running then if you can do that. Yeah. So I was having trouble keeping it under 15 for a while. And so the goal was, Hey, 10 K 12 minute pace. Well, I ended up running. I mean, I was probably still, so I was 3.30 when I started running. I was probably still 300 pounds at this race. Uh, been losing it a good bit just by moving my body because it had been so long I haven't been. And uh, I ran at like a 9.40 pace. I was like, what is going wow. on? And that was the first time it clicked. It's like, oh, I'm setting these all these limits in my head. Yeah. I mean, I'm just telling myself a 12-minute pace is about as good as I could do. And I just beat that by over three – I mean, about three minutes a, a mile. And so then that really – kick started where I just fell in love with the running yeah, and just, just snowballed from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, that's a huge part is that mental kind of limit that we put on ourselves. And, uh, yeah, once you can, can break that, um, it's fascinating, you know, it's, and it's almost like a, like a drug, like it did, it, it brings you in. You're like, man, I, I didn't realize I could do this. What, like, what else can I do? You know, yes. I remember I coached this, this kid, this, his mom came to me and said, Hey, he's, he's trying to go to basic training. Uh, he's not able to pass the mile and a half time. You know, he's running like 15 minutes in a mile and a half. And this is like an 18 year old kid, like any 18 year old kid should be able to go out and, and knock out a mile and a half in less than 15, you know? And I started working with him and I quickly, quickly realized that he is easily capable of it. He just didn't realize it. And I remember, I don't know, probably six weeks into training. I'm like, all right, we're going to push a little bit here. Cause I think he was like two weeks out from his next test. I'm like, we're going to push a little bit. Like, we're just going to do a half mile, um, you know, at this time. And then we did it. I'm like, all right, let's, let's keep going. You know, we, we almost did like a, it was like a progression run. It got a little bit faster as we went and we got done and he didn't even realize it. I'm like, yeah, you just did it. And like, I think it was like 12 and a half minutes. I'm like, you just did it in 12 and he's, he couldn't believe it. And I'm like, see, you, you could do it all along. I had no doubt. It's just that mental aspect, you know, he got to it and yeah, that's what's, uh, like the self-esteem part of running is, is so awesome. Like when you start accomplishing these things and, and doing things that you didn't realize you were capable of, you know, it's amazing. It's the best. And you being a good coach, that's the best way to, to prove it to people that can't see it themselves is break it into smaller bits and pieces. Yeah. Make it more digestible. Yeah. It sounds crazy to run the whole mile and a half as fast as, but how can you do a half a mile at that pace? Well then let's try to do another one. Or if you can't right now, let's do a quarter mile. 
Yeah. Let's do a quarter mile and then let's walk on and let's see if you can hit that pace again for another quarter mile. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the key to success in running hugely is just breaking it down smaller where you can digest it. Oh yeah. Especially when you get into these longer distances. I mean, I remember, I mean, even my first marathon, you know, I broke it down into small, like, okay, get to the half marathon. Okay. You're halfway there. And then I remember doing a 50 miler thinking, you know, I got to like the 25 mile aid station, like, all right, you're over halfway done. Like, it's just, you know, it's all downhill from here. It's easy, but I mean, you still have another marathon to run essentially. And, but if you think about it as a whole, you're like, man, it's, it's really daunting. But, uh, yeah, when you break it down in those pieces, it's uh, easily digestible for sure. I think that applies to everything. I think it just makes life. That's how you got to deal with life. I mean, that's how you deal with running. And and we're so crazy. It's crazy to say uh, we're 25 miles in. We're already halfway, but you still got another 25. <laughs> yeah. like that sounds, even when you run a marathon or longer, that still is just a crazy thing to say. It is, know? yeah. And But I've also been at mile 25, 50-mile race, and had to be like, okay, four miles the next aid station. We can do four miles. Yeah, yeah exactly. And bam, and get there, and guess what? We can do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so since you've started running and kind of putting in more miles, what's, uh, like, what's the, what would you consider your greatest running achievement thus far? Hmm. So, I mean, the only race I've won was that under the moon race. And that was just incredible because there were so many unknowns going into it and, I just, I was nervous, scared going into it. Never ran that long of a road race. That wasn't just a loop where I could stop at my own aid station every loop. Um, it'd been a while since I ran that distance. I mean, it'd been um, over a year since I ran a 50 or longer. So it doesn't matter if you've done it before. You just know it's, you know, it's a tough battle either way. So going into it, there's just so many unknowns. I was so nervous. So that one probably like as far as winning a race, that was awesome. That was really cool. Uh, got to share some stories with the two guys who um, were running it as well. They just had not ran through the night before and ended up sleeping for a little bit, and yeah. I just kept moving. So that was the that was the way I won that one. That was a awesome thing because I went into it not knowing if I was going to finish that race. <laughs> so that's a lot of ways I go into these bigger races. It's it's a toss up. Yeah, a lot of things got to go right for you to get there. Oh yeah, and so being by myself. Uh, Nobody on the island from, my, you know, my wife and kids are here in Oahu and I'm on the other island. So it was me versus me out there and yeah. I had to fight that middle battle. So that was a huge win. Um, but my greatest, I think the biggest accomplishment from running would just be the people I've met man, and the relationships that have been made. Uh, and, you know, I've listened to a lot of like military podcasts and respect everybody in the military so much. And there's so many other sacrifices that people make, um, together that just create a stronger bond. And that's what running has done for me is I've just spent so many times, so many hours with different men and women on a trail in the dark, uh, just not enjoying ourselves for a lot of it and enjoying ourselves to the fullest for a lot of it. And it's just such an up and down experience. And, when you're in the fire with people, you just start to learn so much more about yourself and about them. And, and it just creates these bonds that are just untouchable. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, I'm never going to have a bond with somebody who I go eat dinner with and go see a movie. That's all fun. I love having fun. Uh, but I'll never have the same bond as those guys that I've spent 12 hours in the woods, not knowing how I was going to do another mile and turning another 20 out with them. So that's definitely the relationships and bonds for sure. Yeah. No, that's so true. Like, I mean, that's how I met Caleb. You know, we did that hundred mile miler together and 
you know, if, if it had been like a local 5k and I had seen him and chatted with him for a few minutes, I probably would have not really you know made that connection and we maybe probably wouldn't be in, in contact anymore. But yeah, because we did so many miles together, I mean, I think we spent several hours together and, you know, through the night and uh, yeah, you just start talking and opening it up and it just, you're in this place and in this struggle with the other person and it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty great. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, okay. So on the flip side of that, um, what would you say your greatest failure with running is and, uh, what did you learn from it? Uh, okay. Yeah. That one's pretty easy. Uh, so in 2021, I, that was when I did my first ultra was in January of 2021 and I finished dead last and it was a 50 K with about 3000 feet of gain, uh, at Sweetwater Creek park in Georgia. It's real close to my house. And, uh, I was the happiest man in that park walking across that finish line dead last. No, the winner was not as happy as I was because I didn't think I was going to make it there. And I was so happy. And that broke through so many barriers that I decided after that race about the next day when I was walking upstairs at work and doing the, the ultra limp up or up some stairs. And it was the tough going. And I, when I got into work next day, I said, Hey, I'm going to do one of these every month this year. I'm going to do a marathon or longer every month this year, because I just, blew my own mind out there. I, there's, I was at mile 15 of that race halfway. It was a five, 10 K loops. And I was at mile 15 and this lady passed me who was a whole loop ahead of me, whole 10 K ahead of me at mile 15. And, uh, and I was catching a, a cramp in the back of my hamstring. And she said, the Christmas hams, don't worry, honey, they'll go away. Just walk it out. Keep walking. You need any electrolytes. She gave me a salt pill and she kept moving. And, it went away and I thought they were so bad. The cramps at mile 15 that I thought there's no way I'm, there's no way I'm finishing this race. So I just told myself, get to that next aid station. And so I broke through those barriers in that race. And then it made me start to realize, Hey, I gotta, I have to say, I have to set a bar that is insane in my own head and then just see if I can get to it. And so I, I told myself, I said, if I can do one of these every month, I would be super proud of that. If I could stay in shape this whole year and not be injured be injury free and, and still losing weight and got a lot of weight to lose still. And, um, so the goal was just to be able to stay in good enough recovered condition and stay in good enough running shape where I could do one a month. And I kept that streak going for about 17, 18th months, luckily. Um, but the 12th month, my race was, uh, for December that year. So I had a long year. I got my first hundred miler that year. I got my first 50 K first 50 miler, first hundred K and first hundred miler in the same year. And, uh, just by surrounding myself with awesome people who I got to get put in the fire with every day. Um, so we got to December and there's a famous course, uh, the Tennessee mile and the mid state mile in Tennessee and the mid state mile is their big race that they started, uh, up there, Becca Jones and John Cox, uh, in Franklin, Tennessee, right outside of Nashville. And it's a 1.1 mile loop with 340 feet of gain and loss per mile. And it's their family land and they just made this awesome trail and it's just a great community of people. The craziest of crazy ultra runners out there because the course is just crazy. So uh, it's got two main climbs. Uh, it's like a figure eight and the two main climbs end up adding up to the 340 feet. And I mean, it is straight up and down. Yeah. And uh, so they do the Mid-State Mile is their last man standing race, which is Father's Day weekend every year. And, uh, and then they do also the Tennessee Mile, which is just a timed event in December every year. So I signed up for the 12 hour originally 
thinking, all right, let's see what we can go out there for 12 hours on that course and see what it'll do. And I was climbing my little Kennesaw mountain, uh, in Georgia, which is a little 700 foot mountain close to our house that me and all my passive torch buddies would, uh, go run all the time. And, uh, so I get, I sign up for the 12 hour and then like a month before when my best friends, Brogan Bannister signs up for the, the 24 hour, a couple months before. And so I, you know, he signs up for 24. I said, well, we might as well join him. So I called, I end up messaging Becca and say, Hey, can I demo you the difference to switch to the 24? She said, yeah, of course. So I switched to the 24 and then me and Brogan set the goal. Well, I don't personally know what his own goal was, but we were talking about, we need to get 50 miles in 24 hours out there. So every three loops is right over a thousand feet. So it adds up pretty quickly. Um, I don't know off the top of my head what 50 would have been, but it, it was going to be a ton of climbing, way more than I'd ever done in a race. So, so, it, so that means in three miles, you're getting about a thousand feet. Yeah. So, so it's, 10 miles, you're getting 30,000 feet. So 50 would have been about 17,000 feet on that course, 50 loops. Gotcha. Because it's like 3.30 a mile. Yeah. Or per 1.1 mile. Okay. So the goal was to do 50 loops. And so, which is a, I'd never ran, I don't think I'd ever climbed over 10,000 in a, in a day in a race. Um, so we started training for it and started bumping up the elevation and climbing for it. And we get there and everything's good, feel good. And that course smacked me right in the mouth. So I got to probably, I got to loop 10 and my hip and knee were, were hating those downhills. I had not been running enough downhills. Everybody wants to think it's the climbing. And I think Caleb mentioned a couple of times, uh, the downhills end up what killing a lot of people. And I didn't know that at the time. So I had some pain. Uh, it wasn't race ending pain. I wasn't injured. It was just something that I was like, I am, uh, I'm going to hurt myself out here if I keep running like this. And I came out way too hard for the course and ended up stopping running at seven hours and just kind of sat in the chair and, uh, decided that it'd be better for me to not finish. And looking back, I think that's not the example in the way I'd like to do things. I'd like to at least keep walking it out. It's a timed race. No one's one's making me run a certain pace. I can go out there and keep walking. So the failure would be, uh, the failure and takeaway from that race, long story short would be, uh, you know, don't let your mouth write (laughs) checks. Your butt can't cash. Uh, it's always better to, go in with a crazy goal and keep that to yourself maybe, or maybe not talk about what you're going to do as much more than just talk about, you know, how excited you are to be there and lucky to be there and see what you can do. Yeah. And it always will end up better on the back end If you can just, uh, go out there and give it your all and, and not have that, uh, that check written in advance. Yeah. So learn that one, got humbled big time on that. How do you balance this, uh, hobby obsession, whatever we try to rationalize it as, um, how do you balance it with a, with a family? You got a couple of young kids at home. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, uh, you know, that's, that's the, uh, saving grace is my amazing wife, Bree. And then my daughter Harper is four and my son Samuel is turning two at the end of this month, just in a couple weeks here. Um, so everything I do is just to be a better dad and a better husband. Um, the running sets me straight and makes me, it gives me time to self-reflect and is a huge part of being the best me. So the running is a definite big, is the huge part of it. Um, but it takes backseat to my family always, you know, they're always going to take precedent. So I always have been 
in the school of thought, like, Hey, they're sleeping early in the morning. Um, you know, usually when I'm leaving for work, my daughter will be getting up. She's an early riser and she'll come see me when I'm headed out the door about six. So, but my school of thought is, you know, I might as well get up while they're sleeping and, and get it done. So typically I like to try to try to do that. That doesn't always work if you need some more sleep or if you got something else going on. But, um, the best way for me to balance it is to, make sure I'm getting good quality sleep, make sure I'm trying to get in bed at a decent time so I can get up early, get a good run, get a good workout, set my day correct, get those wins. You know, I started, when I started running, I always said, I, you know, I want to start the day undefeated. I want to start out, I always called starting out three and oh, that was my don't snooze the alarm. That's one win. Get it, get the shoes on and get out the door and get on, get running. That's the second win. And then prep and set up my meals for the day to where I'm not going to make some poor decisions. Cause I ran 10 miles in the morning and I'm super hungry. All right. So set myself up for success. And if I would get those three, it was hard to lose a day. Yeah. I like that. And uh, I would, um, you know, back in Atlanta, I was working had a lot longer of a drive. So I'd have to get up a lot earlier. So here in Hawaii, in the beautiful state of Hawaii, luckily I have a lot less of a drive and I spend a lot less time in the car and I, spend a lot less time in the office because I work for a great company. Um, so with all of that, it makes it pretty easy for me to get up at three thirty four in the morning and get an hour run, get a 30 minute lift, get my five minute cold plunge. And then it's like, it's like no one can touch me. I, you can't, I can't lose. I couldn't lose. When I start the day like that, it's impossible to end up as a loss. Yeah. I've already set the standard for the day. I'm already going to make better decisions eating the rest of the day because of that. And so balancing it with the family is just finding out where I can, where I can find that little bit of time just to get a little, a little piece of my run in. So nap time. There's a perfect 30 minute hour shot. I can go for a little run and, and get back. Um, but the amount of running it takes to run these big races, it eats in no matter what. So the balance is always just trying to be able to communicate with my wife and make sure I'm not running when there's something else that should be taking precedence over that. And I'm not the best at that, but I often like to look at myself and try to be self-critical of where we can improve. So, um, the miles have slowed down a little bit as of lately because I've picked up jujitsu. Um, so I've been doing a little more of that training and there's only a certain time block I have in a day to do my training. So if I dedicate it to something else I want to do, like if I want to go surf and maybe I don't have enough time to go for the long run later, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a balance, right? That's what we're trying to find. And it's just a work in progress constantly. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want it to become a chore. You know, like you said, it's gotta be a balance. Like sometimes, there are a lot of days where I'd rather go for a surf than, than go for a run. And if it's going to make me happier and I mean, it's, it's not the same effect that, uh, that running gives me, you know, as far as training wise, but you know, skipping one day every couple of weeks to go for a surf, it's not going to make or break my, my outcome, you know, for the, whatever I'm training for. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, balance. That's, that's the key word for sure. Um, how do you, um, I think we kind of touched on this a little bit, you know, family and stuff, but how do you stay motivated? Um, just staying consistent, um, like getting up in the morning and cause you know, cause I can attest like it's sometimes, some days you just don't want to. Uh, so, so what, what drives you back to, I mean, just those two beautiful kids and my beautiful wife looking at me, um, you know, as the men of the household, we are the leaders. I mean, you know, I think everybody can be a leader no matter what role you play, but I've taken the responsibility of leading the household by example, as I take that to heart. I want to, um, 
it's hard. It's hard for me to ever, I, you know, I grew up with certain, certain examples that would be, um, try to be set by telling me what to do instead of doing that thing. And that didn't work for me. So I want to have what I say to my kids and my wife be reflected by my actions all the time. You know, that's a, that's never going to be held 100%. I, you know, I make mistakes and apologize and own up to those, but I want to set the example for them, um, in the best way I can and show them how to have fun and push themselves and be good people. And, um, that motivates me to get up because I, I tell them I'm going to get up and go run in the morning. They know, Hey, daddy's going to get up and go for a run and work out. And that's just what he does before work. They don't see that as something crazy. Like some people who might look at getting up that early to go run. It seems crazy in some people's minds because they haven't been around it. My kids think it's normal. Um, you know, my daughter thinks it's normal. She'll tell me, Hey daddy, I'm going to do laps around the, around the living room. I'm going to do a hundred laps, like your hundred miler. She'll do a hundred laps. And I mean, we'll count them out loud. So, you know, I like to have fun and like to get the most out of life is what I'm trying to do. I think the whole point of us being here is to enjoy it. And I just find if I get up in the morning and push myself and take care of me and have that self-reflection to start the day. That's all it with running. It's all mental at this yeah. point. You know, I think it's, you know, if you run the long races, you know, it's, it's so much more mental than it is physical. And the mental part of doing something you don't want to do builds confidence in yourself. Yeah. I don't know if I'm sure there's many other ways you can do it, but I know this a hundred percent is if you go do something hard something that maybe you didn't even think you were going to like, you set the alarm at four. You're like, Oh, that's tough. I don't even know if I'm be able to get up and run, but then you get up and do it. It just opens up a whole new part of your brain that you're like, I can, I feel like I can do anything. Okay. Wait, you just got up at three 30 and ran a 5k and did a lift. No, but I feel like I can conquer the world now. And then I go into work and I'm more productive and I'm more happy. And I'm, uh, I'm not thinking about running after work when I could be spending that time with my kids because I got up and did my job. Uh, I just think, um, you know, the comfort of the bed, it's still going to be there t- t- tonight. It's you're going to get to hop right back in that thing. And yes, sleep is very important, but you know, you could take 30 minutes to an hour less sleep, 10 out of 10 days probably. And you would still function just as well, but you would have a better outlook on your day and a better outlook on life to start your day. So, um, it's real easy for me when I look at those kids and just want to set the example. And I want to make sure that they know daddy's working. Daddy's getting, daddy's working. Life's not, we get to have a lot of fun and go on a lot of adventures, but we also got to put in the work. Yeah. No, that's, that's so true. I like that. Um, so I noticed, uh, on your, through your Instagram that on your whiteboard in your garage, you, uh, you have it written down. I think it says for those who can't, uh, can you tell me about that? Um, that would be the other huge part of my motivation is just, uh, I listen to a lot of military podcasts, uh, Jocko. I don't know if you're aware of Jocko. He's a Navy SEAL, um, you know, read the Goggins book. And I just think, um, there's been a lot of sacrifices by a lot of, a lot of men who, and families of these men and women, um, and people that just went overseas to no matter what you believe politically, they were, they were going over there to do what they thought was right. And, um, a lot of those guys didn't get to come back. A lot of those guys had little kids, a lot of those guys, even if they do come back, they spend a lot of their time on leave, not getting to, able to talk to their family. Um, and I just wake up every day and it's like, Hey, if those guys were here, they'd be pushing. 
they it's a nonstop chase. There's no finish line. There would be, they'd be pushing to get better today. So when I'm running and it hurts, you know, I just think about, Hey, I have, I'm so lucky to have these legs. Yeah. Um, a couple of those guys, not just military, a couple of those guys are, uh, um, my good buddy, Paul Duncan, who was a D one athlete. He played no, offensive line for Notre Dame. He went and played some pro football for a little bit, but he was just a really great man. He was like six ten, six eleven, and he started running and running marathons and he ended up coming and joining us, um, through my best friend, Watts Dantzler, who started Pass the Torch Running Club. He, uh, he came and joined Watts and I on, uh, on a run one morning in Dunwoody, uh, at our past the torch running club and just got to meet him. And I only got to run with him four or five times. And just, he had this presence and just, just kind of one of those people that just lit up a room. Like when you walk in, you just, he's different. You knew he was different. And it's like, you're looking at this D one NFL guy and you're like, I'm just a regular old guy running, you know, and then you're looking at him. He just looks like a stud, looks like a statue. And you think that's going to be like a, some kind of different thing than you are. It's like, when you look at him, you're like that, that's a different thing than me. That's not me, you know? (laughs) And, um, but then he's, he wants to talk to you about your life and was wanting to know about what's going on. And he has, um, he has two daughters, had two daughters, I guess you would say. And, um, a beautiful wife who's just super strong. And he ended up passing away, pushing his daughter on the stroller on a run in the morning, uh, from a heart condition that he didn't know about. And he was 35. And, uh, like I said, only got to run with him a few times. Um, but, just the impact I got from him thinking he would be like a Superman looking at him, hearing about him and then how kind and nice and just a good person he was. You could just feel it. And, um, he passed away just out of nowhere and it just made me realize, Hey, if the man that looks like a statue passed away out of nowhere, there's no telling when my time's coming and uh, the clock's ticking. Yeah. It's like, we don't know how many, like, you know, we can blow all kinds of money. You got a bank account. There's a set number in there. You got some, your assets, you know what you can spend and what you can't. If you budget your money, you know what you can waste money on, but we don't know how much time is left here. We don't know if today's, if today's the last day, what did I do today? What did I do yesterday? What will my daughter remember me as of yesterday? Um, so it just made me really appreciative just for every single day. So you wake up in the morning and you're like, man, Thank you, Lord. I got another one. I get to I get to go for a run at 4 a.m. in Hawaii, of all places. Yeah. I mean, come on now. I, you know, I get to talk to Shane on a podcast about running. How cool is that? We get to just talk about running and share it with people. I mean, it's um, it's incredible. So he gave me that perspective. And when I wake up in the morning, I think about his kids waking up in the morning. And uh, think about his wife waking up in the morning. So that is all the, uh, reason I need to get up and run or lift harder or do more or try to be nicer that day. You never know what anybody's going through. And I can't imagine being their family just out of nowhere. You know, even if it's expected, it's so sad when anybody dies, but it can happen anytime. And that's just such a, that was a big reminder for me. So he's on my board, Paul Duncan. And then, um, also another man, Edgar Flores, who was a, um, a police officer in DeKalb and he passed away, got shot. And, uh, he was, a uh, one of his partners, Justin Hamilton, he runs a runner for an ultra ultra runner for uh, tailwind now. And, uh, he's just a, a great person. And, uh, 
Edgar was a lot of his reason to turn his life around. And then was a lot of the reason that Justin stays in the fight every day and wake up in the morning. And it's a battle. I mean, life's a battle. It's life's up and down and it's going to happen. Life is going to happen no matter what our perspective is on it. So why wouldn't we want to have a good one? Why wouldn't we want to make it positive? Why wouldn't we want to get up and try to make, turn a 20 hour adventure of a day in and then get to bed tired and pass out and try to do it again? I don't want to spend more time in the bed. I want to get up and start going. Let's live it. You know, I don't know how many more I got. So I just, uh, brought that perspective. Those guys, they died in the military. A few of those names I have on the board and, but a few of them are just regular good guys, just family guys who got taken from their family way too early. And we don't know when that's going to happen. So no, that's so true. Like some days, you know, I'll go out for a run especially if I'm on the trail and it's like a longer day and maybe it doesn't start out very good. You know, I'm not feeling very great. And I'm like, you know, why am I even, you know, why am I out here? And I think about, you know, this could be, this could be the last run I ever get to do. So I might as well enjoy it. You know, listen to the, I mean, especially here in Hawaii, like you said, is when you go on these trails and there's just birds, you know, just singing in the trees and it's lush rainforest in some areas and there's waterfalls and it's, I mean, how can you not just be in awe of, of what, you know, what you're experiencing and, and, it, and that quickly turns, turns the run around and makes it a lot more enjoyable for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, I think about that too. Like, for, you know, for those who can't a lot of times and, you know, not, not only the people that have, you know, sacrificed their lives for, for a greater cause, but even people that are just, they're born and they're, they're still alive. They are just not physically able to do, you know, to maybe do the things that they want to do. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they were born with a disability and, you know, maybe they would love to be out and be able to, you know, experience the trails the, the way that you and I can, and but they just can't. And, uh, you know, I think about those people and, um, yeah, sometimes I just, you know, that kind of helps drive me as well. Just thinking like, you know, these people would love to be out here right now. I might as well, you know, maybe I'll go a couple extra miles just for them, you know, and just kind of push myself. And no, I think that's a, a great perspective to have. Yeah. Oh, you're exactly right. There's plenty of people even think about my grandparents, older people, you know, they would love to be able to have that time back where they could run, you know, and they would love to be able to go back in time when the, the hip, you know, my grandparents hips tore up and it's just like, he can't, he can't run. Right. He can't now. So he, I'm sure he thinks about often that he would love to be able to go back and get another day with some fresh legs, man. So any day we have them, that's a blessing. No, that's, that's very true. Um, so, um, obviously you love running here in Hawaii. Is there any place in the world that you think, uh, you would like to run other, other than Hawaii? I want to run everywhere, Shane. Yeah. <laughs> I want to run everywhere. Um, I've done a couple, uh, trail runs slash hikes in Utah in the, and those are the only mountains in the West that I've been lucky enough to explore. Um, so I think there's a ton of mountains on the West coast of the mainland that I, I can't wait to get out in. Um, Georgia has some beautiful, I love this, the trails in the South and they're gritty they're up and down. There's no solid steps. It's kind of similar to here where it's just, you're never going to get a free step of a rock or a root or a, or a side step. You're never going to have a flat step on the trails out there. I love Georgia trails. Um, but I want to explore everywhere and anywhere. Um, definitely top of the list would be, uh, those mountains in Utah some more just because I've had one or two experiences out there and it was mind blowing. Just the views similar to here. It's like you turn a corner and you're just like, yeah. really, am I really looking at this? Yeah. It's just like a dream. Um, 
So definitely some more mountains anywhere in the mountains, man. I'd love to see as many as I can before I, before I die. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, everywhere that I've been able to, to travel to and, or live, uh, I always, you know, I, I like to find the biggest mountain I can and then, and just like, I want to get up to the top of that, you know? And, and I think I've been pretty successful at that so far, you know, living in, in Kodiak, Alaska, there was, I mean, some beautiful ranges, uh, just out of my doorstep that I would get to, to go explore. And then, yeah, here in Hawaii, or at least on Oahu, I've explored quite a, quite a few of the ranges. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, anywhere. I just, I mean, that's, and that's the beauty of running is just need a pair of shoes. Like you just travel, take a pair of shoes and you can go explore a city, uh, some trails. Yeah. Wherever it is. And it's, it's a, such a great way to kind of, uh, see the world for sure. Yeah. Um, do you have any, um, like a, like an embarrassing story that, uh, that you've experienced while, while running, like any races where you can kind of reflect on and, and laugh and think that might've looked kind of silly to somebody uh off the top of my head i don't have one uh, i've had a lot of a lot of funny experiences out there just spending hours in the woods most of them would be probably just being with friends and we would do a lot of start at like 7 8 p.m on a trail kind of like the the three the tom the three t's did yeah. not too long ago yeah. um they get out there and start it. They start at like 1 a.m., which is just a good mental training just to get out there and be in the dark with a headlamp. We would start at 8 p.m. and just go through the night, and things just get weird at night. That's true. When you're in the woods with a headlamp with your friends and you just you trip, you fall. You, I mean, there's been plenty of embarrassing moments, nothing that comes to the top of the head, right. though. Okay. Um, so moving forward, uh, what are do you have any like big goals, anything coming up on, on your plate that that you're looking forward to or that you haven't accomplished yet? Um, so big goals, uh, I'd have race wise. We got, um, the just Honolulu marathon. So my buddy, Paul Duncan, before he passed away, he, um, he was going to, he was training to run a marathon sub four hours. And this guy's six ten. I mean, stud, yeah. absolute stud. And he had ran, he'd ran a couple marathons, not far over four hours. He was still moving quick. Um, but his goal is to beat sub four. So that's a big goal of mine. I haven't had a lot of, uh, pace goals. Usually, usually my goals are dictated by, uh, the distance and, um, you know, I set smaller goals in the race, of get to this point by this point, you know, and it's then the next point. So, um, that race, I wanted to go sub four and I want to do 10 pull-ups afterwards. Growing up, I was always overweight and always thought that pull-ups were just something that skinny guys could do, but it was just because I wasn't practicing pull-ups is why I couldn't do pull-ups. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's weird how that works. It's, yeah. it's weird how, you know, you get so fearful of not being able to do something that you don't start. And I think that's the biggest kryptonite of most people. And for me all the time still is like, you can't let your brain tell you, you you're not going to be able to do it or be, or you can't let the first time you go do a sport or even the 10th time you go do a sport that you're not, you're still not great at it. You can't let that stop you. If you want to keep going, it takes time. It takes reps. Reps are the only thing that change if you're going to be good at it or not. And it's just doing it more. I am not good at jujitsu. I've been doing it for three months and I am scared every time I get taken down and I'm nervous and I don't know what to do really. Um, but I'm getting a little better every time. So, uh, same way. Um, I've been doing pull-ups Been doing, I can do like a set of four right now. So I got a few months to get my fresh set up to 10 and then hope I can do it after I run the marathon. Yeah. <laughs> That's the tricky part. So 
that's a big challenge for me. I don't know. Sub four, um, right now, the shape I'm in right now, um, I could run a half in about 150, 155, but everything would have to go right for me to string two of them together. And I don't like my chances when you're t- when I'm going into it thinking everything has to go right. We know that's not how races yeah, go. I never do. No. So I have I definitely have work to do to make that a achievable goal in December. Um, so a lot of speed work coming up. Uh, a lot of um, pushing in the heat to make sure I'm uh, acclimated to this Hawaii heat. Get my electrolytes right. That's one thing I've been battling lately is to get the right mix. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, got a lot of figuring out to do. And then the 10 pull-ups, that's a big challenge for me. So that one is heavy on my mind because I want to do it and represent my boy Paul out there and the Duncan family. So um, that one's big on my mind. But before that one, I'm going to um, September 14th, 15th, that Saturday. I don't remember what the date is. Uh, is the Georgia Jewel 100 back home in Georgia. Um, and we ran it last year, me and probably nine or 10 of our friends from the our Pass the Torch Running Club uh, that I'm so lucky to be a part of. Uh, we all went out and ran it, and we had, I think, three three or four buckle, I think three buckle winners last year, uh, guys that finished the race and gritted it out. And it's so it's a tough race on the Pinhody Trail in Dalton, Georgia, yeah. in North Georgia. And it, uh, it's probably about, I want to say, 14,000 feet of gain. Uh, very runnable course. Uh, but very rocky and rooty, and you're never going to get a flat step out there. So the game is taking it at your speed where you can keep your feet stable and keep those things, things going in your direction. Cause you got to come all the way back. So you do like 35 miles and then you do, uh, to the, what they call the dry Creek loops. And then you do like 30 miles of loops there. It was like a five, six mile loop. And, uh, then you come right back and uh tough race. And I DNF last year at 50 at the halfway point. My mind wasn't in it. And it was a mental game that I lost. Um, but my boys are going back for redemption. So I can't make it back this year, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to run a hundred, um, that same weekend just over by the house. And just, uh, one of those challenges again, where going into it, not sure if it'll get completed. Um, but I know I can, so I'm gonna go give it my best shot and see if I can get a little, a little mini redemption while my, my boys are getting it, uh, on the mountain back home. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you've thrown down the the gauntlet now. So now the people listening in, will have to Check in on you to see how, see how you do. Yeah, so we're gonna. I'm gonna set it up where I got a bunch of. It's all flat around where I live yeah. and have a beach. So I'm gonna set it up where I got a good five and ten mile loop during the heat of the day. I'm gonna do probably five mile loops and have my uh, my crew chief, uh, my wife Bree, at home ready with the ice and ready to help me get cooled off and get me back out. And the goal is just to keep moving. So um, definitely want to. My I've only done a hundred miler once, uh, completed one, and I. It was a one mile loop and did it in 35 hours because the last 20 were really tough. So I just want to get back to that position and see if I can improve on that. Actually, well, maybe I'll come out and join you. I'll be, uh, I'll be kind of in the core of, of some training for, for my event in October. So I think, uh, maybe I'll come out and join you for a few miles. That'd be awesome. I might have to pull some of the, the tees off the trails for a yeah, day. I think they'd love to come out there. See I mean, those, can, those guys are crazy. Like that. Yeah, they would see they would if I can get to. a middle of the night loop from one of the tees. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they would love to, I'm sure they would love to. I'm actually, uh, so my, my 41st birthday is on the 9th of September. So the weekend prior, and uh, I'm thinking this year, and I mean, I might as well throw down a gauntlet of my own, uh, it's a, it falls on a Saturday, my birthday. So I'm, I think I'm gonna go out and run 41 miles that day. Uh, I think I'm only scheduled for like a five hour run, which is typically like, 
you know, probably 25 to 30 miles, depending on the terrain. So I'm going to throw on a few extra and might as well get 41 in. So that's, a, that's awesome. Yeah. 41 for your 41st birthday. Yeah, might as well. You know, hey, that's a goal, man. Yeah. I, I did that on my 27th birthday with my friends and did 27 miles and I didn't do it last year when I turned 28, but that's a good goal. I think I'm going to set that one again for myself this year too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good day. I mean, I used to do it, um, like when I was in my thirties and late twenties, I was really into cycling and I would just go out for a ride that length and which on a bike is, is not too, too rough, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, going out and running, I think that'll be good. Yeah. yeah. Um, excellent. Well, I mean, that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much what I got for you, Matt. Is there anything you'd like to add? Any, any anecdotes or any, uh, words of wisdom for, for somebody maybe that's considering getting into running? Just get into it. Yeah. Just start. That's it. Anything in life, man. If, uh, if it scares you good, that means it's probably going to make you better. Um, don't wait. Don't wait. I wish I would have started running way back in the day. I wish I would have known the correct way to run. You don't have to run seven minute miles to be a runner. You can run a 15 minute mile and you can do 10 of them in a row. You can, if you have a heartbeat and you have healthy legs, you can do it. And it might start with a half a mile for a month and then bump up to a mile, two miles, whatever it is. Take your wins. Don't look at somebody running a hundred miles and think that that's what you're supposed to do or running a marathon or whatever you're looking at. Go out there and just run a mile and then see if you can do it again the next day and beat your time and just keep winning. Keep setting those wins and start your day undefeated. Wake up in the morning and do something hard. I love it. That's great. Excellent. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Thank you.